Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Ann and Walker Evans, the owners of Columbus Underground, for our year-end roundup of the top 10 stories on Columbus Underground. We also covered the inside scoop on the latest developments in Central Ohio, public life and culture, and some of the great things happening in our city to watch for in 2018. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by Little Rock Bar. Little Rock Bar is located at 944 North 4th Street in Italian Village. With 30 beers on tap, Little Rock Bar has happy hour from 4 to 7 every day. Every Tuesday, get $3 draft beers all night while you enjoy Rock Your Cock Off Karaoke. Wednesdays is Everybody's a Comedian, hosted by Travis Haywisher. It's like trivia, but you prove your snark instead of smarts. Info, hours, and upcoming events at littlerockbar.net. Everyone's night should have a little rock. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Ann and Walker Evans, the founders and proprietors of Columbus Underground. How are you guys doing? Good. Hi, Tim. Really good. Good. We're talking about basically the year in review. We're talking about the biggest stories on Columbus Underground, some other things that happened around Columbus. I want to punch through this list of the top 10 stories. Up first, the opening of the Juniper, which is the rooftop patio on top of the Smith Brothers building. Also, the rooftop patio trend happening around Columbus. How did this happen, Walker? How did Juniper happen I mean, how did, like, <laughs> rooftops is, you know, pretty popular thing in other cities, even, you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland, New York City, there's a lot that's sort of a function of having a high-density area is yeah. why why they tend to happen. What do you think inspired Columbus to sort of jump on the bandwagon? Because, frankly, we're not sort of at that density yet. Yeah, probably there was some inspiration that came from other cities, just having cool restaurant venues mm-hmm. and bars and ho- hotels that have those kinds of facilities. So. Right. Juniper was one of the first kind of large ones in the central part of the city to jump on that bandwagon, get it open, you know, before some of the others that are still in the works right now. But it's also... What else is coming at this point? The Huntington Center has talked about a rooftop, which would probably be the highest one, being about 30 floors up. The Wood Company's office building that is being developed at 711 North High Street. Okay. We'll also have one. I think it'll be a Cameron Mitchell concept on top of that building. Okay. And the Short North Moxie Hotel that Crawford Hoying is building on the old Haiku site. Oh, okay. We'll also have a, a bar rooftop. So there are a couple a couple pretty prominent urban locations. And then, of course, the smaller ones. Right. Well, we want to give credit here to, I believe, the first rooftop patio in Columbus. The first new one, yeah. From sometimes sponsor of this podcast, Little Rock Bar. Yeah. It's a great space up there. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. The thing that was exciting to me is when that space opened, people would go up there and they would say, oh, it feels like we're in a real city. <laughs> and that would both like 
make me happy and also i'd be like we are in a real fucking city <laughs> like what are you ta- we're in the 15th largest metropolitan area in the country what are you talking about yeah but, i think we'd only ever had in the past a couple fancy restaurants on top of the skyscrapers downtown yeah well but they went away and rest in peace uh was it nationwide one what did one they- i think it was one nationwide one nationwide mm-hmm. the restaurant at the top of the one nationwide building mm-hmm. yeah the other really nice one that opened recently is uh the on top of the AC hotel in Dublin. Basso. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. What does it overlook? The uh, river, the roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> it has a beautiful sunset. It overlooks historic downtown Dublin. Okay, cool. And the sun sets right into that area. And it has trees. Nice. Right now they're all bare and you look at the river, but Okay. With fall and spring. And it's a public really space, nice. it's open. Mm-hmm. Or is it just an event space? It's both. You can rent it out and reserve it, or you can also go up there. And Juniper does have limited sort of public hours yeah, as well. It's it's open during the week. I want to say like Tuesday through Thursday. I think that's right. It's open right. to the public, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's an event space. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So get up there for uh, some cocktails. Yeah. Number nine on the list, the final Independence Day. We have talked about Independence Day and my confusion about why it ended and what's going to happen with the the resources, both the financial resources and, frankly, the, the goodwill and the, for lack of a better term, mailing list that they've built up. Any reflections on Independence Day from you? I mean, I think people were... I mean, you were you there know. from the beginning. We both were, like, you weren't really involved. I was involved, I think, in year two. Yeah. And then uh, you volunteered, got that T-shirt. That's right, yeah. You love that damn T-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when it was on Gay Street, our offices were right there, so right. we were pretty excited to see that that sort of festival, you know, kind of take off and and start to grow. And then it moved over to Franklinton and kind of took on a a, a different life over there. And, right. You know, it's bittersweet news. It's understandable, you know, that people want to move on and do some other things, but a but lot it's of a lot of also, work. Yeah. You know, I think there's we were talking beforehand, and I will sort of attribute this statement to myself if no one else wants to own it. That you know the folks involved, and I know them all, I think, and I respect them and they all do really good work. I think that there was some reticence to hand over the keys to the truck, basically, to let somebody else take it on. And they, nobody was making money, right? right? Nobody, they weren't mm-hmm. able to establish a structure in which people were able to be paid a, a living wage in order to do this, because it was a year long, at least a six month long job every year. Right. And it did what it intended to do, right? Like mm-hmm. it built up the downtown area. It helped Franklinton then, and it sort of ran its course. Yeah, perhaps it was just becoming too mainstream. You think so? Mm, it was pretty popular. Well, which kind of is not exactly what so it's, the feel so, is. So what you're saying is, is it wasn't <laughs> hipster anymore. No. And they were like, Mm-mm, <laughs> don't want people from the burbs here. <laughs> Well, I mean, they were probably looking at at least a temporary relocation for the next year. Well, it's getting tough in Franklin right now. Oh, yeah, because of the construction in that area. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the big reason they had to leave Gay Street was because it had kind of outgrown, you know, what it was supposed to do and be there. Right. And some of the businesses there didn't like having all the closures and... Yeah, and that's all of that. something too. Yeah, so they kind of moved over to Franklinton where it was a little bit of... It was more accommodating to them. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of an empty blank slate for right. them to be able to do things over there. And, and the existing businesses were there that were there, like 400 West Rich and Strongwater and Land Grant, 
were like the right kind of partners to be there. But right. once you start moving in a thousand new residents and all these new apartment units, you know, they're going to start grumbling about street closures and all that sort of stuff in yeah. another year or two. So do they keep moving, you know, and kind of keep outgrowing neighborhoods they're going into kind of keep getting kicked out. It's almost the story of like the artists in the short North, you know, they, right. they were the early adopters and then rents went up the need for them. You know, the galleries were replaced by restaurants, right? They had to move on. So how, how long the boutiques were, were replaced by bars? Yeah. yeah Cause you just yeah. can't afford to do that. Right. So you kind of always get, you're getting chased out of an area that you're helping to bring to life. Right. That can't feel good. No, but we do salute the founders and the people that ran Independence Day. It was a yeah. fantastic festival. Mm-hmm. I hope that they all continue pursuing their uh, other events and stuff like that, making the city a better place and quote-unquote putting Columbus on the map. Number eight on the list, Scioto Peninsula Development. What's going on there on the peninsula? You haven't read the news? I saw the headline. <laughs> I, these are the most some of the most popular stories on yeah. the website, and it's the stuff that I'm like... Oh, great. Another thing. Yeah. Or like, is the development of the, the rest of the area behind Huntington Park, is that on, did that make the top 10? Uh, it was fairly recent that it was announced. You're talking about the, uh, the Schottenstein thing? Yeah. That was canceled. Well, yeah, it was canceled, <laughs> but the, the news about it. No, I don't think it made the top 10 list. It was pretty high up there but in terms of development and stuff. But yeah, the, the Scioto Peninsula development was up there because there were kind of different stages to the announcement. So it was okay. kind of newsworthy throughout the year when they were kind of announcing that something was coming, when they were looking for different developers. And when, most recently when they solidified the development company Buckingham out yeah. of Indianapolis okay. to put together the whole plan for the 21-acre site development. So And have they finalized that plan or is it still... They unveiled sort of renderings of the first stage, what okay. that's going to look like. It kind of follows what the Columbus Downtown Development Corporation wanted to see there in terms of numbers of residential units, office okay. space, public spaces, parking garage spaces, all that sort of stuff. So just another large-scale 21-acre kind of chunk of the city being developed. Well, it's, I mean, it's good that it's happening, I guess, that mm-hmm. there, you know, we continually talk about surface parking lots, and some of that is getting solved, but we're not having the infill that we truly need to yet yeah and we're still we're developing that there will be some development of the you know for lack of a better term the shot and site the old state pen site because that's part of what that is right is the state pen site or is that fully so i know because there's a couple big chunks of land over there right so, so the old jaeger machine site that nri nationwide realty investor owns which is further down nationwide boulevard is where the casino was going to be built that's right okay that, that's nri they've they've said that they want to do something residential over there they kind of shifted their attention to Grandview Yard, I believe, okay. in the local landscape. And so they haven't really announced what they're going to do there. What Schottenstein was proposing to develop was sort of a triangular chunk of land bounded by some of the railroad tracks kind okay. of north of Huntington Park. Right. Up against like the Vine Goodale Connector Street. Right. But then they came back and said that there's too many limitations with that site to do okay. what they wanted to do. Because originally they were going to build like an almost insular community not like Mm -hmm. gated but a community in that you you've got residential you've got office you've got retail Mm -hmm. that like you could kind of live in this magic schottenstein world (laughs) and never uh, leave and never leave yeah but at some point they will develop it 
eventually. Yeah. So, so the Scioto Peninsula thing too. The other piece of that was the the first phase was the construction of the new park uh-huh. right on the other side of Kosai. Okay. So it was formerly surface parking lots that served Kosai. That's all been buried into two floors of underground parking right. with a new public park on top. Right, and that's great. And yeah. once it's done, the festivals will be able to sort of take advantage of that space as well. Yeah. And so it's open to the public now. They've taken down all the construction fencing. They're going to do a, like a grand opening ribbon cutting kickoff in the spring once it's nice. Okay. But there's a little playground over there. We've taken the kids over. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. Great. Pretty awesome. Cool. Number seven of our on our list of top 10 stories this year. And again, some of these are sort of joined together in the interest of not having to. I don't think I have to talk about much more development even. Number seven of on the list, coming soon announcements, some of the highlights, food hall coming to the short north. What space is that going to be in? Oh, that's uh, on the Monte Cristo cigar site, right? Food hall? No, I believe that that's something else. It's the, um, it's right, it's just north of Standard Hall. Just north of Standard just Hall. Just north of Standard Hall. Yeah, I think it was maybe a, uh, like a, well, pl- it was a plasma Well, bl- it was a plasma yeah. bank, and then there was a, a pop-up MLS shop when there were yes. playoffs here yes. in town. Yeah. So they'll be developing that area. Yeah. Apparently, we're getting Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Some urban Chick-fil-A's for the first time. Anne can talk about this one. <laughs> I mean, urban, I suppose, both a suburban feel and Grandview Yard. Yeah. Right across from the Market District. I, for one, will not be enjoying their delicious chicken sandwiches just because of their politics. Yeah. Um, well, and they got rid of coleslaw. So. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> then there's no reason to yeah. go there. That's a real political just, statement. Yeah, saying it's unhealthy, but why are you eating any of it, really? Right. Come it's on. fried chicken, folks. Yeah. Well, the other location on campus will be very urban. It's going in the, um, mm, true. the Wellington building. Oh, okay. Yeah. Brewdog bars, where are those going to be? One is going in the short north, kind of close to the Garden Theater. The okay. other is going in Franklinton, just almost right across the street from Rehab Tavern. And are those going to have to be, what's the word? Are those going to have to be like brewery bars? Like where are they going to have to do some brewing on site in order to get around like the liquor laws? I don't know. So what I'm talking about here is there's there's a reason why you don't see Budweiser bars mm-hmm. on every corner because you can't be a manufacturer and a sell direct customer gotcha. in the state of Ohio, in most states, I believe. And so that would mean that similar to Land Grant, Seventh Son, mm-hmm. and places like that, it is, it'll have to be like a mini brewery bar. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah, probably then they'll, they'll have some sort of small batch on site i would assume yeah yeah any other coming soon announcements to mention well i i should also tie in too that the brew dog in franklinton will also have a rooftop patio so okay that's, that's another one coming soon yeah great yeah and your favorite rounding up number six on our list of top 10 stories of the year the chinese lantern festival returns it is my favorite and some people were wondering is this going to be kind of the same because they were here last year okay and so when it returns like how much are they really changing but they pretty much changed all of it. Okay. Different lanterns. They brought back the large dragon. That's open through January 7th, I think. Okay. Yeah. I really like that. Kids then, like it. Yeah. Kids do like it. We just had the entire school of Hubbard Mastery School. Mm-hmm. Got to go over there and enjoy a field trip. And that's a partnership we have with Columbus Underground and then the Chinese Lantern Festival. And so that's- They enjoyed it. 
And it's cool both during the day and at night. Is that right? I think it's just open at night. Okay, got it. Got it. Because they have everything lit up and on, and then they move the performers inside, so none of those got rained out. Okay, cool. Yeah. And with the sun setting at 4.30, I mean, you can enjoy it uh, right. early in the yeah. evening. It could be a, an evening affair. Yeah. It's a new, it's still new, different light event happening in the city. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of others going on, but it's cool. Yeah, and popular among readers. Mm-hmm. Number five on the list, the new Quarry Metro Park announced. Where are they in terms of timing of, first of all, tell me the location of it. It is north of Treview. Between 33 and like the river, I guess, would be on the eastern boundary and then Dublin Road on the western boundary. And the activities that they intend to offer there, there's going to be some like rock climbing. There's going to be bike trail. What mm-hmm. else are they offering? Yeah, the, I don't think they're using the word extreme sports, but kind of the more <laughs> active, more more than you see in a lot of other metro parks. Mm-hmm. You it's know. not for old ladies to walk around at lunch. Well, you can also do birding. You and can chilling also out. be an Grilling old lady out. walking around at lunch if right. you want. Shout out to the old ladies. But I think there's the <laughs> hope that it'll bring some maybe larger extreme sports here. Okay. Oh, like, that it that they could like actually accommodate. Yeah. Environmental extreme sports yeah. like mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're and not going to be like. What are they called? Dirt bikes? Like motocross? Like That's motocross. Kind of... or no, okay. no, no, no. No, but the or quarry... Or ATVs is what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the quarry had a special composition of dirt Okay. that yeah. really lends itself to building those sorts of courses. Okay. So it's kind of cool Great. That if Almost we can like get that here. clay type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when are they slated to open? It's a little while. Two years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's still a lot. I mean, even though it's a natural space, they have to build the infrastructure for it. There's right. no there's no road access. There's no electric okay. or plumbing, the, the kind of things that they need to install on the site. But they do want to have some sort of facility. And I know they're looking to partner with different people. So none of this is completely set in stone. But partner with someone where you could go there and rent a bike or you could go there and rent a kayak. And so you can take part in like lessons or classes or kind of go out on the water and do your thing. Cool. Um, yeah, make it really engaging. The whole land is sort of being divided to into like a public-private partnership. So some okay. of the area will be developed into homes. Okay. And then the other side will be Metro Park. Very expensive homes. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> They're new. Number four on the list of top ten stories this year, the big closures. Notably, the Giant Eagle in Victorian Village, the closing of Salt and Pine downtown, the Andersons leaving the market, or did they close all of them? They closed all of them, okay. yeah. Movie Tavern, Dirty Franks in Westgate, and, you know, innumerably more. We also saw the original Max and Irma's close. Okay. Robert Mason closed. After celebrating 10 years, Rivet decided to stop having their actual brick-and-mortar store. They're just going online. Online and some pop-ups and doing festivals. Yeah. And what the rock had just moved in January of the earlier this year to Clintonville and they decided to close up shop. Which was a great store. I never quite understood how they were able to, you know, keep it going for as long as they did. They're also moving to online too. Right. So, so maybe it, it's a less expense. It's you know, it's yeah. good for them, I hope. Yeah. And we also had double happiness close up mm-hmm. earlier weeks ago 
the highly plotted Rooks Tavern unfortunately closed. Now, where was that? It was on campus on Chitt- Chittenden. Chittenden, I think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was a- the barbecue place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad location. Yeah, I think Possibly, that yeah. had a lot to do with it. Because um, it was up by Summit, right? Yes, like almost mm-hmm. on the corner there. Yeah, yeah. so by necessity, it ends up being a destination because kids aren't walking right. You know, right past it constantly. And Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't priced for students either. Right. I don't think they took Buck ID. Oh, no. So. <laughs> That's a whole market you're losing out on. <laughs> right. Anything else on big closures? We covered a lot of large-scale retail news this year, Okay, which a lot of other publications all across the country were, were covering and kind of dubbing the retail apocalypse okay. of 2017. We generally only covered it when it affected like local store closures and things like that. But okay. the list was disturbingly large this year. Okay, the, the biggest local contributor to that would have been the Limited, which closed all of their retail stores this year. Okay, American Apparel closed everything up. So yeah, that- it was sad to see that. It's kind of like the flagship uh, north end of Short North. Right. Yeah. But yeah, one of the big chains. It went away. Wet Seal closed everything. Radio Shack closed everything. Gander Mountain closed everything. Okay. There were a lot of other stores that just closed a lot of locations, so not entirely. Like Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy. Right. Jimboree, Ann Taylor, Dress Barn, Lane Bryant, Sears, Michael Kors, Payless Shoes. Jesus. Rue 21, GameStop, H.H. Gregg, and JCPenney's. All, so, all each closed hundreds of stores per each one that I just mentioned. Give me your hot take then. Is this simply starts just... Starts with an A. Amazon opened their small pickup <laughs> Starts pick with up an location. A, ends with an N. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough. A, a lot of them specifically said online competition is just chipping away at brick and mortar. Well, and it's why you see so much investment being given to or being done by Target and Walmart specifically yeah. Yeah. to enter into that online marketplace. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're going to, you know, yeah, we need brick and mortar to an extent, right? We don't, it's going to end up being survival of the fittest in terms of, we don't need three different mid-price department stores in a market. Yeah. We need, a, mm-hmm. you know, a Target and we need a Walmart. Please do not bring a Walmart into the urban core of Columbus. Well, some, some of it too is commodity-based realtors, Okay. Not, like they, they need to reinvent themselves to be experiential. You need You're talking to about the malls. The malls, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mentioned Sears and JCPenney's is two of the big, you know. Well, because the old model closure. was this this anchor store. Right. Like a Sears or a JCPenney or a Macy's. Yeah. You know, they call it an anchor because it's holding down that spot for mm-hmm. all the other smaller stores. Like, yeah. you know, the, what is it, Rue 21? Is that Rue 21, yeah. Like Rue 21. Wet seal, mm-hmm. you know, thank God Hot Topic's still going strong. Yeah. Well, some of that's probably due to changing consumer behaviors for younger people, too. They're more inclined to shop online than maybe their older counterparts. And so those those places really need to change a lot faster. They do. And I think you're seeing success still in the boutiques mm-hmm. by people, shopkeepers who really have a vision and they curate a right. really awesome assortment. So mm-hmm. if you are like, I just love going into Tiger Tree because I know I always find something cool. Right. That's something that is, I think, helping that group survive. Yeah. Well, and this sort of gets into our, our next story on the list, number three, big openings. But I've seen a whole lot 
And I haven't had the opportunity to patronize them yet, but a lot of men's boutiques, mm-hmm. like the kiln, there's the place right here. What's the place at Gay and High? Uh, Flying Gent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Samson in the Short North. Samson in the Short North. Yeah. And they're all like independently owned, mm-hmm. independently curated. Some of them even have some of their own like mini label stuff, mm-hmm. similar to what Robert Mason was doing with leather goods. Yeah. We sort of like gleaned over it, but like I think the loss of Robert Mason is is big. Yeah. We will link to his interview that I did with him, I think two years ago. It was well before the closure. That was not due to lack of success. Right. It was due to an ongoing litigation involving the fire that closed the original store. Right. And I really do hope that Robert Grimmett, if you're listening, I really do hope that they're able to find their see their way to get it back together because yeah. it's great mm-hmm. and i think that it really is a model that can work that people do want like curated nice office supplies as silly yeah. as that sounds i love a good fountain pen yeah well, you know true. and you want to have that stuff in your city because those are the sorts of experiences when people go somewhere they're always like oh i found this really awesome little shop and i got this thing right and it just made my visit here so cool yeah and if yeah. that all goes away, if it's just like a couple of sports bars or bro bars, it's just <laughs> like, ugh, Columbus. <laughs> it's just like Cleveland. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what the long tail of this sort of larger chain closure, what that effect that's going to have on some of our suburban communities as well. Because I know specifically the Eastland Mall, which a lot of people don't even realize is still open just lost both of their two remaining anchors. I think that mall has four anchor locations. Okay. So with the closure of Sears and I think Macy's earlier this year it, over there. It's still open. Eastland is open. It has zero out of four anchors occupied. Okay. So well, how, I guess how the Westland is closed though. The Westland Sears just closed like within the past. And that was but it. there's nothing else there. That now. is 100% vacant now. And, but Southland is still open, right? Uh, I thought it closed a long time ago. I thought it just had the school in there. Oh, but I'm okay. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the Japanese arcade can just take over the old Macy's <laughs> at Eastland. Right. Expand for, into that. For those that aren't familiar, yes, there was indeed a Northland at some point. Right. It has been closed for like 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Let's transition that into the big openings we saw. We finally got our IKEA. Right. Light of Seven Matches, which is a speakeasy that's attached to Natalie's Coal Fire Pizza. Natalie's Coal Fire Pizza. Biscuit and Branch opened. And rebranded to just Branch. Oh, Biscuit and Branch is no longer. It's just Branch. It's just Branch. Okay. To clarify that, it is Branch. It's not just Branch. (laughs) (laughs) Branch. It's not the Branch. It is not a Branch. It is Branch. Mm -hmm. Branch. Branch. Anything to say there about the big openings? The Ikea is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I got to admit, it's nice not to have to drive to Cincinnati if I, you know, want to buy a new bed for my kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Good for kid stuff. Other is- stuff, too, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's a great example of, like, a large-scale retailer that knows how to build an experience into their store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a people make a day trip to go to Ikea. Yeah. And something like Walmart, they just want to get in and get out as fast as possible. Because it's the worst. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Again, no Walmart in the center city. Yeah. We saw Trism open. People mm-hmm. always wonder, what is that? Is it for me? 
but it's what a is lot that? of things. Is it for me? <laughs> it's a lot this of things. This is the space. This is the bar opened by the A and R group mm-hmm. that also does Crest and a couple other places. This opened in the former Eddie George's space on campus. Have you guys been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been there to have meetings and okay. check it out. Because it is an event space. It is a restaurant. It is a bar. It's kind of coffee yeah. shop-ish during the day. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does it... Dance club at night. Yeah. Does it fill out... The, really? Yeah. Does it fill out the space well? The photos I've seen and like videos and stuff on Instagram of it as a dance club at night, it's packed. Okay. Yeah. It looks impressive. Yeah. Cool. And it doesn't feel like... You're drinking coffee and like. Well, they have a bar. Okay. Well, but, but like if dur- during the day, you can go there, yeah. have you know, have a coffee. I assume it doesn't smell like stale beer on the floor. I think so. It's I, just really open and clean. Okay. I think yeah. It's a, like a cement floor. It's kind of a flex space the way that it's built. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we had lots of things expand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hot chicken takeover. Yeah. Opened. Two more locations. Yep. Balanced Yoga just opened in German Village. Mm-hmm. Acre. System of Strength opened a new location up in Clintonville. Mm-hmm. Si mm-hmm. Senor opened two new spots. Stump. Pins just opened their new location in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Ray Ray's. They uh, expanded to Land Grant, and then they also have their other drive-through. Condado. That's going everywhere. Yeah, they opened their Pittsburgh location, Easton, and Clintonville, and at a catering this year. Yeah. Really? So lots of Condado's stuff on happening fire there. This year. We're a taco town, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> Stoff's opened another spot inside of the Idea Foundry. And then Cub Shrub, they opened a second store in Grandview. Yes. The other kind of interesting opening this year, both of our distilleries each open sort of bar restaurants on site, kind of bookending the year. Watershed opened theirs right at the beginning back in January. And then the service bar inside Middle West Spirits opened just maybe a month ago. Awesome. Yeah. Number two on the roundup of top 10 stories is the Columbus Crew News. Mm-hmm. We all sat down when in the middle of this and said, "How you know should the podcast cover it? Like, what do you want to do?" Yeah. I frankly didn't want to do it until it was like done, and it's still not done. Right. And you guys have done some great reporting. The Alive has done some great reporting on like as it goes on, and like things should know. I'm sorry. I want to give a shout out to Six One Four Magazine for their sort of like. Here's the overview mm-hmm. and the funniest cover of the year, the the 86 badge on their cover. What is going to happen? Like It's going to move. It is going to move. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems like that's the direction it's heading. Because the MLS is also sort of being more supportive of the owner than of the town. Yeah, but isn't it in litigation now, too? I think DeWine is threatening to, but he's also running for governor. And so, like, as is everyone else in Ohio. That's, I am not (laughs) running for, I have not announced. The deadline is not until the end of February, but I'll tell you, I I am declaring right now breaking news. I will not be running for governor of the state of Ohio next year. Oh, so leave that door open. Yeah, I do actually. Let's give a preview for January. I expect to be able to break news of a, a gubernatorial candidate on this podcast in the month of January. All right. Ooh. Stay tuned. Right. 
So at this point, I mean, it's going to end up going back and forth. There is definitely going to be another full season in Columbus. Yes. What's interesting to me at this point is because you do sort of have to just say, well, we tried. We did our best. I think that Ginther, the folks at the partnership, the ill-advised announcement from the foundation, I think everybody sort of like put in their, you know, their best effort to get it done. They've been pretty open and transparent about it. That's great. And so we sort of need to, if it's, if it's inevitable, that's what happens. But what's interesting now is, you know, what do you do with that site? Right. The county owns it, right? Or no, uh, the, I think it's the state. The state, state. owns it. Yeah. The city rents the land from the state because, again, it's adjacent to the fairgrounds. fairgrounds. Yeah. I bet it just rolls into the fairgrounds. And they just tear it down, or well, maybe they, they have make... an event venue. They yeah. have concerts there. Yeah, true. So if they can maintain it, and you know, yeah. oh, maybe we'll get a rugby team, or maybe we'll get, <laughs> uh, you know, there are lower tier football, and you know, there are other things that could go yeah. there. Practice right. fields. Yeah, we had our taco event there, so it's an event venue too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rock on the Range does really yeah, well there. So I mean if they can find out other, every year. other types mm-hmm. of events like that. Yeah. You know, could could keep it going. But it, it's a bummer. And and the news, the reason this was so high up on the list is just because there was different ongoing pieces, you know, right. as, as the announcement first broke and then as people tried to to continue to make it happen. But just the 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 reaction that it's seen out of the community. You know, everyone's really rallied around this team. From a coverage standpoint, and this has always sort of interested me, at what point do you in an evolving story like that, where it's somebody said this thing and then they canceled it and then you do like a moratorium, at what point do you stop updating one individual story and like move to the next one? Does that question make sense? Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Because it's not like, and that's uh, the virtue of things being online, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like when you put out a newspaper in the morning, it's like, yeah, we'll issue corrections or updates, right. but we can't, you know, there is no quote unquote earlier version of this story at that point. Yeah. So at what point with, again, with an ongoing story like this, do you just sort of like, okay, this is now a new story? I think we play it by ear a little bit. I mean, if, if it's a correction or an, uh, an update, uh-huh. then it's definitely a part of the existing story. Okay. And you, you add and you update. If it's some some sort of new if there's a new piece to it, a new a new story, okay, then we would we would change. So, like specifically with regard to the foundation making the big announcement, right? The fact that they canceled it, we thought that was a whole different story on its own. Instead of the just, fact that they basically retracted their proposal, yes, yeah, okay. yeah, they decided, yeah, to go that route. So, gotcha, cool. Number one story this year on ColumbusUnderground.com: the changes on Park Street slash the North Market area with the bar closures and the, and the development planned. Why do you think that was such a big story that people were so upset that the Park Street bars closed or? That was a really big one on its own, surprisingly. Like okay. ev- everyone and their brother was sharing that story. Because the North Market was originally announced in 2016. I believe I so, remember yeah. us, talk, us yep. talking about it in last year's mm-hmm. wrap up. Yeah. There have been continual updates on that project throughout the year. Okay. This year. I think the Park Street bars is just something that everyone had an opinion about, whether they went 10 years ago or yesterday. Right. They just all something. They wanted to, like, I'm sure some commenters were 
you know, saying good riddance and some were yep. bemoaning its loss. Yeah. Did you have more comments on that story, those stories? Um, I, I don't think we really measured specifically on that. And th- okay. this list was, you know, kind of by eyeballs and readers specifically. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, like Ann said, they've been around for so long that even if you're, you know, in your 30s now, you might have been right. there in your 20s and had a great time. And so even if you hadn't been there in a or long time. Or had a terrible time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Defending. Yeah. Right. But it, it certainly represents a shift. And even if you saw them as as some sort of nuisance because of, you know, people getting drunk and drunk have, college kids. Right. Right. It's still small businesses closing. True. You know, so it, it represents a change in the structure of the neighborhood, you know, and even though it's local developers proposing to build the new hotel that's going to go in there, and I'm sure there will be some sort of bar restaurant component to that hotel. Right. You know, people like to cling to what they know and is familiar and comforting, even, right. if, even if it's something they don't go in. We saw a lot of the same sort of thing. And I, I think this aligns a lot with like the closure of Bernie's okay. and the development of the Wellington building that's going in there. Yeah. So many people upset that Bernie's was closing and being replaced. But if you individually ask people, when was the last time you were in Bernie's? Right. I'm sure most of them will say, oh, five years ago. Well, and let's ago. be clear, though. Bernie's didn't close because it its business was going down. Bernie's right. closed because they just developed that piece of land. Well, the same with this, too. OK. These these three Park Street bars are being demolished. Right. For new development. Right. So. Rest then, in peace, Bernie's. <laughs> so directly across the street with the North Market development, it's it's kind of the the same piece of ongoing story. How rapidly that area is changing, and some people question, you know, how it's moving for something that's for locals to something that's for conven- con- convention goers and right. visitors, and how do you maintain that balance and keep it for everyone? Well, and my, you know, I have bemoaned the number of you know, apartment rental units and asked multiple times, like, when do we sort of hit that saturation point with that market? But in terms of hotel rooms, we are not there yet. Like yeah. we lose conventions because we don't have enough beds. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet on either, either one. There's still some capacity for new apartments. Really? Yeah. Okay. Drive by a big suburban apartment development. That's under construction right now. Where were we just? Hilliard. Hilliard. Okay. The other day, right off of what? 70 and Rum Hilliard Road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hundreds of Each new apartment units yeah. going up. And so people will complain when a new 100 unit building gets built in the short north saying it's too much. Right. But you look at something like that where it's like 500 new units popping up out in the suburbs and no right. one even knows it's happening. But mm-hmm. the, the capacity for that is there. I guess my, my thought is the price point too, right? Like these yeah. are apartments that are going for like double what people pay for a mortgage in a reason you know in a reasonable yeah, neighborhood right and a reasonable sized house yeah talk to me about predictions for for next year and what what are the big things that you guys are looking forward to well there are a couple of things that have been announced that'll be coming next year okay. um, i mean we mentioned a few of them earlier like food hall in the short north there's some of those types of announcements right we have another distillery that's coming in grandview high bank distillery okay kind of close to grandview yard on uh Goodale. Locally owned? Yep. Great. Yep. So there are, there are some, you know, individual sort of pieces like that. It'll probably be a, a politically charged year next year with the Ohio gubernatorial race kind of getting into full swing. Right. If you had. And Brown's up next year too, right? Maybe. Share it. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And council's going to get interesting again because Jiza Page has announced that she's running for judge. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the, the Klein seat will be filled. Right. And then her seat will be need to be filled 
Right. I, I'm not sure when she would leave. Would that be like next fall? She would leave next fall. Yeah. yeah. So, so they and it would be the same thing that they did this year that she would maintain the seat. Right. They wouldn't put up somebody new because she just. No, she. It's didn't been like just... two years. It's been. When does she have to run again for council? It's every four. Okay. So yeah, so someone would be appointed to fill the seat. Right. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Even years are always mm-hmm. interesting. It, it'll be interesting on the development side of things, too, because like you said, eventually we'll hit the saturation point on the luxury side of the apartment building. Right. So does that mean we'll continue to see new development announced at the same rate at a more moderate price point? Well, and the moderate price point isn't happening in Short North Italian Village. Or any city in the United States. Really? This is the same story in every city right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was at, in Phoenix for a conference two months ago in October, mm-hmm. and we did a tour. It was the Arts District Tour. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm going right. to run this. We have one of those. Arts District Tour. Yeah, we looked at like two galleries, and then we looked at like 12 apartment and condo developments. So it's the same. And the price point is also oh, of course. higher for the market. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's cool to live in a nice place. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, we're going to hit. My prediction is we hit. Probably not next year, but we hit a saturation point in luxury apartments. We hit a saturation point in tacos. We hit a saturation. Never, never. <laughs> I hate cilantro. We hit. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> we, it tastes like soap. You're one of us. Yep. You know, we hit a saturation point in. I don't think we're gonna get there in terms of like craft beer because the this is think something that I think is good is the larger institutions like Nationwide Arena, have been super supportive of the local breweries that are mm-hmm. able to you know, put out the volume of beer. You know, Seventh Sun isn't quite there yet in terms of production, but Land Grant and Forstring are killing it, Yeah, which is great. Yeah. I think we'll keep seeing some more suburban brewers continue, okay. to, continue to grow. But is it going to be any good? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't think it... I don't... The closer you are to Broaden High, the better your beer tastes? Is that no, what you're I, just, I guess I'm thinking about there is a distiller in town that I'm just like, that is not good. And I'm not going to say, you know, who they are, but it's just really not good. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, we interviewed the head brewer from Wolf's Ridge, which Wolf's Ridge, I wish they were able to do more capacity, but their beer is, they create really drinkable craft beer. They are expanding a bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. With what? They're working on kind of the other side of their building. Just a larger production yeah, facility? Yeah, more space, yeah. Good. Well, there yeah. you go. And I, I don't know what of that is going to be production and what's going to be maybe restaurant or event space, but... Okay. Yeah, they've continued to grow. Well, when we were talking earlier this year, the head brewer was talking a lot about how folks sort of want to get into this game, um, but don't really know anything about it. And so they make this, you know, shitty hoppy beer. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure we're still making good and interesting stuff. And that people, uh, at, that we're making things similar to the way that Wolf's Ridge does in that we're making interesting beer. Yeah. You know, so. We're not really beer drinkers, so it's kind so of So there you go. Well, and heads. frankly, I'm a PBR drinker, and so <laughs> there you go. But there are there are some spaces like at Combustion in Pickerington. We did an event down there. Really okay. cool facility. From what I've heard, good beer. I okay, didn't, I didn't drink it myself, but it is a cool facility. They took over an old creamery. Oh wow! Oh, so it's a pretty neat reuse, and they're doing a good job with it. 
Good. Yeah. So I can see more of those kinds of things popping up in kind of those, you know, Circleville or Granville, right. Delaware. I think yeah. there's there's room in those communities. Cool. Just wanted to mention some other things we yeah, thought please. were cool through 2017. The convention center got a pretty neat piece of public art. Matthew yeah. Moore's As We Are. The Every, head. Yeah. Yeah. New selfie and profile photos for it's a little awesome. while. There was a lot of public art installed throughout Pearl Alley. Mm-hmm. So even though that Pearl Market's going to be moving to the State House next year okay. for construction reasons, you can still check out cool artwork throughout Pearl Alley. We got dinosaurs. It's pretty cool. Uh, Kosai. Yeah. Downtown got a new car wash. They had one that was closed over on Main Street. It was kind of the only one in the area. Yeah. And now there's one on Long Street. So that's pretty neat. It's back. Yeah. Awesome. Car washes are back. Grandview <laughs> Heights opened their pool after a really nice remodel. Uh-huh. So that was pretty neat for the summer. And Grandview Mercantile, they moved back over into Grandview area. Uh-huh. Yeah, not quite Grandview. <laughs> but that was a pretty big... Um, I think felt as a kind of a big loss in the short north, but it was nice that they actually did move because I think it was a little bit up in the air, whether they were closing for Mm -hmm. good or what they were going to do. So it was nice to see them come back. And we saw the Lazarus Santa came back. Yes. That was pretty cool. Like two hour line, (laughs) but it was nice. It was worth it. (laughs) It was worth it. And Parsons Avenue had a lot of investment with the East Public announcement and mm-hmm. $2 radio. And then even farther on the south side, the Fortner upholstery yeah. moved down there and overtook an old building that needed some love. Well, that's good that we're getting development in those, those old buildings. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in and uh, cheers to a good 2018. Thanks for having us, Tim. See you in 2018. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite reporter. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great new year.